Isaiah 57 and verse number 20 this morning. The Bible said, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless the reading of thy word now. Lord, help us to redeem the time and say nothing that you would not have us to say. But I pray that we'd be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we'd be to the point and only say what you lay on our heart. And may you get glory out of it. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to draw your attention to verse number 20 very quickly this morning to really just one word that's in the text. And it's the word see. When you think about the word sea this morning in terms of, of geography, a sea is uh, smaller than the ocean. Uh, sea is something that uh, is, uh, uh, is bound or, or should I say the margins of it is, is partially enclosed by land and, and by water. And several different seas can make up uh, one part of the ocean, and that would be geographically speaking. And then biblically speaking, this morning, uh, when you think about in the Word of God, the word sea is mentioned all throughout the Bible. In fact, there are different seas in the Bible. You think about the Red Sea and the Mediterranean Sea and the Sea of Galilee and the, the Sea of Tiberias. And, and so seas are mentioned all throughout the, uh, the Word of God. A sea can't even be, uh, can be an enclosed uh, body of water by land. And so there's all types of different Definitions. In fact, I challenge you to look up how many seas and how many oceans are in this world. And I was reading on that the other day. One says there's seven seas and, and then there's five oceans. And another said, well, no, there's uh, seven oceans and there's five seas. And then another one said, no, there's actually eight seas. And then I read when one individual said, no, there's 50 seas. And another one said, there's 90 seas. Now, you may have the answer to that question, but the conclusion I come to is that either the Internet doesn't know or the people writing behind it doesn't know. Amen? But none of those seas in this world is what I'm necessarily talking about and nor is our text this morning when you come to this passage of Scripture. Isaiah is talking about a particular sea that I want to preach on a few moments this morning and it is the sea of wickedness. The Bible said that the wicked are like the troubled sea. And when Isaiah uses this word sea, he uses it in verse 20 in reference to four things. Number one, he uses it in reference to this crowd. He said the wicked are like the troubled scene. Uh, when you think about the wicked this morning, uh, he's talking about the souls of lost men. He's talking about those that are lost without God and that are living in sin. They may be rich or they may be poor. They may be black or they may be white. They may be young or they may be old, but all of them are like the troubled scene. And so he talks about the wicked. You may be here this morning and say, Brother Gravely, I don't know God. I don't know Jesus Christ uh, on a personal level and I'm not saved. Then I want to tell you, you're that individual uh, that the Bible is talking about here. You say, but I'm not a wicked person outside the righteousness of Christ and the shed blood of Calvary. Every one of us are wicked, amen? I believe the reason we're not seeing revival and true conversions like we used to is because we don't have enough preaching on 
sin and judgment. My friend, listen, that's what brings repentance, amen? And repentance brings renewal and renewal brings revival and revival brings reassurance and reassurance uh, brings rejoicing, amen? Uh, Listen, this nation needs to get back to men of God in their pulpits uh, uh, crying out against the sin of wickedness of our day uh, and preaching on wickedness uh, so that a generation comes up, uh, believes that they are really wicked and they need to be delivered, amen. And this C talks about in reference to this crowd, the wicked, and then he talks about in reference to a comparison here as he says, the wicked are like the troubled sea. Not just any sea, but a troubled sea this morning. You know, this week, uh, the meeting I was in was uh, uh, there in Panama City, and so we were staying uh, along the coastline. It's one of the reasons that this verse was on my mind. Me, uh, me and my wife was looking out the window there and uh, listen uh, across that ocean, and it was so beautiful. I mean, when you looked at it, I mean, I thought about the sun as it set in the evening time. Uh, uh, there would be a bright orange that would just run all the way across that ocean as far as you could see from one end to the other as the sun was setting there in that sky and it was a beautiful sight far greater than any painting uh, uh, that man or portrait that man could ever paint. Uh, I thought about even in the daytime uh, when the sun was shining down upon those waters uh, and it would just shimmer and glisten uh, uh, with the sun. Uh, It looked like crystals floating all across that water uh, and it was a beautiful sight Uh, but the day before we left uh, uh, the wind began to pick up. Uh, A storm was soon coming uh, uh, on Friday. You know what? What began to happen, uh, the waters begin to churn uh, and that blue pretty uh, crystal water that looked so fine, all of a sudden it began to look murky, it began to look dingy, it began to look dirty. You know why? Because the sea was being beginning to be troubled, amen. That's how the wicked are. They're like the troubled sea. He talks about in reference to a comparison and then a conclusion. Notice what he said in verse number 20. When it cannot rest. Isaiah comes to this conclusion concerning those that do not know God. They are just like the sea in the fact that they'll never find any rest outside the Lord. I want to tell you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin, then you don't know what rest is. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to tell you there's no rest in those that are not saved this morning because they are in trouble. They're, you're, listen, if you're not saved this morning, you are in trouble. That You are in trouble with sin. You're in trouble with Satan. You're in trouble, my friend, with the system of this world. And you cannot find rest. Drugs cannot bring you rest. Alcohol cannot bring you rest. Worldly pleasures cannot bring you rest. I want to tell you, my friend, religion cannot bring you rest. Good works cannot bring you rest. Church membership and water baptism cannot bring you rest. Only the blood of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Calvary, is the only thing that can bring rest to a troubled soul. I'm here to tell you this morning, the conclusion of the matter is this, is that if you're not saved, you'll never find rest until you get saved. You know, I've seen that preaching many times. Is sometimes you can see conviction on people's face. Now, not everyone is that way, but I've seen people get under such conviction that they got restless. 
They got fidgety. Maybe they pinched the baby so it'd go to crying. So they could jerk it up. They wouldn't take it out for $50 during the singing. Amen. Come on, don't die on me. But they get under conviction. God sit down in their pew. They got to get that child and, and run. Now, if that baby goes to crying, go ahead and take it to the nursery. Amen. Or if they're, they're old enough to too big for the nursery, take them outside and cut you a hickory. Somebody say amen to that too. Amen. But I'm telling you, wear them out, but bring them back in. Don't let them think it's fun out there. Let them think it's torment out there. Amen. Let them know they don't want to go out there. It'd be a whole lot better to come down here and to go out there. Amen. But I'm telling you, friend, I've seen people get restless. I mean, listen, and have to get up and go to the bathroom. They don't really got to go. Now, some people have to go to the restroom. Maybe they take medicine or something like that. I can understand that. I'm talking about they get under conviction uh, and they want to run to the potty. Amen? Uh, oh, because you know why? The Holy Ghost is uh, dealing with their heart. Uh, I'm talking about, listen, uh, the conclusion is uh, when you're lost, uh, there is no rest. Uh, you'll lay in your bed at night uh, and when the lights go out and everything gets quiet, uh, you'll think about eternity. You'll think about God. Uh, you'll think about your soul. You'll wonder where you're going to spend the rest of eternity. What if you don't wake up in the morning and see another sunrise? I want to say thank God for the day that he troubled the waters of my heart and showed me I was lost. And my friend helped me to have some restless nights so I could be saved. Amen. There are people sitting here this morning. I pray to God, if you're lost, that you do have some troubled nights. Amen. Because you're going to have a troubled eternity if you don't wake up and realize uh, you're not okay. You're not all right. Uh, you need to make sure that you know uh, that you've been saved. Amen. And he talks about the conclusion of lost people is that they're restless. I was sitting with my wife yesterday in a restaurant. I heard two people talking behind me. I wasn't listening, but the booths were just back to back and they were talking rather loud and I was trying to put away some of their conversation, their dialogue, uh, uh, because there was so much cursing and swearing that, that was going on and, and the things that they were talking about. I just breathed a little prayer. I said, dear God, uh, I don't know these people, but, but they were so restless with life. What about you this morning? Have you thought about everything, tried everything? You may have never left that church pew to get out in sin, but you've thought about a hundred different avenues you'd like to go down this morning. You've thought a lot of different places. Oh, you, you've been raised in a Christian home and, and maybe you're married now and you've you, you, you got a good wife and good children and you've not got out and wallowed in sin, but you sure have thought about it. Never going to find no peace in that. Brother Gravely, I'm saved. Well, I want to tell you something about it. If you're saved and you get on this sea, you'll drown in it. Something that's very true that we don't preach much anymore, but we ought to get back to it. If you're saved and you get out in sin, God will chastise you. You want to know why some people can get out and sin and waller in it and they love it and they enjoy it and it seems like there's no consequences? They're not saved. Self-deception is the worst deception of all. In fact, it's worse than satanic deception. Because you can convince people the devil's a liar and that he'll deceive them, but you have a hard time convincing them that they are a liar and that they have deceived themselves. I visited my grandmother's bedside three different times when she was dying. She never lived for God. She lived a wicked life. I loved her. 
tried to win her to God. Went to her bedside two different times and begged her. I said, Granny, I said, I just don't think you're saved. I said, you don't, you've never lived for God a day in your life. You've never went to church just a time or two. And I wouldn't go into all the details of her life, but she lived a very wicked life. And I said, you've never lived for God. She would just look at me and she would say, I'm okay, I'm okay. I said, but you're not okay. Your life doesn't line up with what this book says. Finally, I went and got Brother Barnes. And I said, Brother Bobby, would you come and talk to her? said, uh, I want to see if you can talk to her. And me and Brother Bobby went and sat by her bedside and he did the same thing, pleaded with her and talked to her. And all she would do is sit there and listen. Her head down and she'd say, I'm okay. Even my backslid brother went and begged her and said, Granny, I don't think you're saved. She said, I'm okay. She went to hell thinking she is okay. And don't come up to me after service and say, well, Brother Gravely, you can't see your heart. No, but I can read that Bible. And the Bible said by their fruits. There was no fruit ever in her life. This morning, I want to ask you this question. The content of, of this verse that he refers to concerning the sea, notice what he said, they, whose waters cast up mire. And dirt. The content of the sea of wickedness is this that all it produces, all that it ever turns up is, is mire and dirt. I want to tell you if you get out there and you live in this world, all you're ever going to find in this world is a bunch of mire and dirt. I'm telling you the pleasures of this world are only for a season. But I want to tell you, what may glitter and look like gold is nothing but fool's gold. If you get out there and you say, well, I want to try a little bit of this and I want to try a little bit of that, I'll tell you where it'll leave you. It'll leave you lying in your own waist in a dung hill of sin. My friend, you'll find yourself in the muck and the mire. Do you not realize that the most blessed place that you've ever been in your life is right where you're sitting at this morning uh, in your right mind uh, in the house of God uh, around people that love you and care for you under the preaching of the word of God uh, feeling the presence and the spirit of God uh, I want to tell you this morning uh, that world is nothing more uh, than a sea of wickedness uh, and you'd be a fool uh, to set sail in it today I was looking out the window Watching all those waves. I mean, that wind was so, I mean, it was 50 degrees outside. The wind was, was blowing unbelievable. If you ever wanted to take a walk on the beach, that was the day to do it. Because there wasn't nobody as far as you could see. And to worry about nobody running around in a bathing suit. Somebody say amen. Let me just throw this in. Christians don't wear bathing suits. Somebody say amen right there. Or Speedos. Shame you even got to preach on something like that now. But I was looking out there and I saw, and I'm telling you, the wind, it was just one ripple after another. And the, the ocean was churning. I thought, man, it's looking pretty rough out there. And I looked out across over that ocean. I thought I saw a seal. It was a person. They were dressed like a seal. <laughs> one of them rubber things, all you know stretched all over them and over their head. I thought, that's the largest seal I've ever seen. I thought, no, no, that's a person. In this kind of weather, in that kind of water, 
They had the red flag flying. They wasn't a soul on the, the beach nowhere for, as far as you could see this way and as far as you could see that way. And some fool was out there on some board and he kept trying to get on it. And every time he'd get on it, I'm telling you, a wave would knock him off of it. And, uh, and the only reason he kept it is because it's tied to his ankle. I'd have cut the rope and I'd swim for sure if it had been me. But he just kept trying to get on it. And I sat there and watched him for 20 minutes. I thought if he drowned, somebody's got to testify. <laughs> so why didn't you help him? I ain't that dumb. I wasn't going out there. And I watched him wrestle. And I thought, how foolish. This guy's lost his mind. And then I thought about people on the sea of wickedness. They ignore the warning signs. The preacher preaches to you. He warns you that if you go out to this world, if you hook up with this world, if you run with this world, if you live like this world, you're going to pay severe consequences. Uh, It may even cost you your life. Uh, He tries to warn you uh, not to go to hell. There's a heaven to gain. Uh, There's a hell to shine. Uh, But you sit there uh, while the red flag of God's warning flies in your life. uh, Determined just like that individual that you're going to sail the ocean waters. Uh, You're going to set sail one day uh, as soon as you can you're cutting the cord uh, and you're getting on the sea of wickedness uh, friend you'll drown in that sea because you failed to heed the warning I'll tell you there's young people there's parents that used to sit in this church there's moms and dads and I'm ashamed to even say this, but there's even older people, gray-haired people that once sat in this church and heard the preaching and testified. As far as I could tell, they were saved. Some weren't, I'm sure. Some were, but for whatever reason, one day they got it in their head that they was going to get out on this sea and be the only survivor. I want to tell you, the further you drift, the deeper the water gets, friend, and the deeper the water gets, the greater the casualty's going to be in your life. I'm I'm telling you, you better stay close to the shores. You better stay close to the banks of God's deliverance. You better stay under the preaching of the Word of God and love the Bible and love the people of God. You better stay in an old-fashioned church where a man cares more and people care more about your soul than your paycheck. Amen. Lost a man one time here. And in the conversation, he, he made the statement. He said, do you know how much I give in tithes? I said, I don't care how much you give in tithes. He said, you didn't say that. Oh, sure, I did. I said, what you're asking me to do, I'm not going to do it. Amen. There ain't enough money on God's green earth. I'm telling you what keeps Bible Baptist Church afloat is God. Amen. I'll tell you who pays and signs my paycheck is God the Holy Ghost. Amen. I don't want to do anything that's going to upset him. I'll tell you, God's got money. He don't even need money. Amen. I'll tell you, he can drop man out of heaven. He can send what we need, when we need it, how we need it. And I'll tell you, if we go broke, I'd rather go broke living for God and serving Jesus Christ as to sell out to this world. Amen. And he talks about the mire, the mire and the dirt. And when you get to verse 21, this final verse, I want you to notice. 
He makes one statement, one sentence in verse 21, but in that sentence, if you look at it, it's broken up into three phrases. He said, there is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. One sentence, three phrases. And that first phrase, that first statement is dark about the sea that we're talking about, the the sea of wickedness. He said, there is no peace. I want to tell you this morning, I really feel in my heart the Holy Ghost is probably speaking to somebody that's lost, but I also think He's given a warning to someone that is saved. Maybe you're thinking about, uh, you know, cutting the cord and, and going a different route. And I want to tell you something. You can do that this morning. God will not make you live for Him. He'll not make you serve Him. But you rest assured what I'm telling you is the truth this morning. You go that way, you'll never find peace in this world. The prodigal never found peace when he left the nest. He never found peace when he got away from the Father. And when you get away from God, there is no peace out there. You think your marriage is going to make it. If you get out of church, you're a fool. You think, young person, your life's going to live it up and be good. If you get out there, you're a fool this morning. There's no peace. You'll lay your head down at night with the scars and the regrets and the sad stories and wonder what a fool I am. Amen. You know, there's a lot of people, they would come back. They could come back, but they won't come back. You know why? Pride. Well, I can't go back down there. If I go back down there, then that means I got to admit I was wrong. Well, we'd just be glad you came back. But yes, you do have to admit you're wrong. So they go somewhere else, but they're still on the sea. I want to tell you, they never find peace. So they blame everybody and everything around them. They become a victim of circumstances. I want to tell you this morning, if you know somebody that's out in sin, don't coddle them, don't pat them on the head, don't tell them it's okay. When they start saying, well, this person and that person see through that mess and understand that's not real repentance. All they're doing is trying to make an excuse for the things they're doing and the way they're living. And the best thing you can do is tell them the truth, amen? Speak the truth in love, amen? Listen, patting them on the head and and listen, uh, telling them it's okay. You're You're not doing anything but just pushing them further into what they're in. You say, but if I tell them the truth, Brother Gravely, they may not like me. No, but they'll respect you. I'd rather people respect. Not that I'm anything, but if they ever going to get right, you know who they're going to go to? The people they respect. They're not going to that worldly crowd. This is a dark statement. And then it's a definite statement. Look what he said. There is no peace, saith my God. You may be here this morning and say, well, preacher, you don't know. How do you know that I won't find peace? Because that's what the book says. That's what God said. A lady looked one time at me and my wife. She, her and her husband was was getting out of church and we went to them and they, they'd been in this church for about eight years and had been a blessing. God had done so many things in their life and, and, and we went to them to try to, to, to salvage and keep them in church. And, and, I, and you know, she, the place that she so loved now, she didn't love it anymore. She looked at me and she said, oh, you think Bible Baptist Church is the only place that you can go to church? I said, for you, yes. 
And for your husband, yes. You say, why did you tell her that? Because I told her, God saved you in this church. God saved your husband in this church. God saved your daughter in this church, supposedly. God saved your father in this church. He saved both your brothers in this church. Why would you go anywhere else? Today they're divorced. Their daughter's a sodomite. And the husband's in prison. All because they got out on the sea of wickedness. I'll tell you, I'd rather be wrong as to be right. I never want to look at somebody and say, I told you so. I'd rather be wrong. I'd rather, if you're here this morning, you're thinking about getting out and sin. I wish to God I was wrong for your own sake. But I'm telling you this morning, if you're not right with God, you ought to get right this morning. You got, you ought, I'm talking about you ought to come clean. I'm talking about you ought to humble yourself. You ought to come down that aisle with tears running down your face and dripping off your chin. You ought to get to, I don't care, and I don't, want, I don't care what nobody in this room thinks. You ought to get to the place where you're willing to fall in that altar and say, oh God, I, it's all my fault, God. I have messed my life up. I have done everything wrong. And God, I'm drowning in this sea this morning. Would you help me? I ought to help you like that. Come down this aisle grinning. Hesitant. Trying to manipulate a, a little prayer to God. You might as well not even come. Because you're just playing games. Oh, I, I would love to see somebody get right with you. It's a definite. I'm telling you this morning, you said, Preacher, why you emphasize? Because this is definite. There is no peace, saith my God. And then it's directed, notice that last phrase, to the wicked. Brother Danny testified this morning, was teaching, talking about having peace. Brother Laddie testifying, talking about the devil punching holes through the, through the fence, but he can't get to us and God's going to take care of us. Hey, that's peace that saved people have. In the midst of the storm, Jesus walked out in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, he slept through a storm, didn't he? Down in the hundred part of the ship, the Bible said, while they was out on the sea, our Savior slept through that storm. He ain't afraid of the sea of wickedness. There's a sea of wickedness brewing all around us. I'm telling you, but in the midst of all this, our little old vessel may be rocking and reeling. We may wonder how we're going to make it to the other side, but I promise you, Jesus looked at them disciples and, let's, and said, let's go to the other side. And they made it to the other side because he was on board. And I want to tell you, we're going to make it to the other side uh, just because we're in a sea of wickedness all around us. Uh, thank God we can still have peace uh, because he's the master of the sea. Uh, he can step out on the bow of the boat and speak peace uh, and calm the troubled waters in our life. Uh, and it may be rocking and reeling all around us but God will take care of his children amen this morning if you don't know God then this verse is for you this morning there is no peace I want to ask you this morning do you have peace I think that's the overwhelming thing about salvation is peace and love you love God and you have peace. And when I got saved, I didn't know. I couldn't have told somebody how to be saved. I couldn't have told them the Romans roads. You know, I could have told them what Jesus did for me. But I couldn't tell them to take the Bible. 
But all of a sudden, I started loving the things of God. I never loved the things of God before, did you? Not like that. And then I had peace. I laid my head down and thought, there's no more concern about hell anymore. I got peace. There is no peace. I wonder this morning, as, as Alan comes, I, I want to do something different this morning here in just a moment, I think. I, I don't know. Brother Brian, come on up here. Brother David, whoever. Do you know, this week I, I found a, a little hobby. It's not much of one, but it's a temporary hobby, I reckon. I, I, ne- I went to the doctor a few years ago. He said, you need a hobby. I said, that's boring to me. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I started doing something earlier part of this week that, that I, I kind of don't know why. It just got on my mind. My, well, I'll tell you why, Miss Joyce. When I preached Brother Travis's funeral, we went up there and laid him to rest there in that cemetery. In that cemetery is where my sister and my, my brother and my, my grandfather and, and some of my dad's uncles is buried all there. I hadn't been there in a long time. Well, since my sister had been almost four years now. And, uh, and I went over and visited those graves. And I reckon it got on my mind. And so I started thinking about all of my family. We never really know history on my dad's side because nobody knew anything. My Dad was born, and my, my grandmother and grandfather just, you know, had a little fling, and, and uh, he was born, and they, he never knew his dad until he was 18 years old. Met him in a bar, slept in a bar there in Chatsworth, and was sitting on a bar stool, and uh, someone asked him what his name was and said, well, there's your dad sitting right over there in the corner. And he went over there, and the first time they ever met was there in a bar. There's not a whole lot of good stories Never seen a picture of my grandfather. My dad didn't have any pictures of him and, and uh, just a lot of things. They was, but I was doing a little bit of history, Brother Death. I wonder what I could find out and just a few little stories that has been told and pieced together. And so I started just looking and I, and I found out that my great-great-grandfather, who he was and, 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 and when he came to Murray County and, and then he had a son and, and Booker T had a son whose name was Henry. Henry had a son whose name was, or many sons, but one of his sons was, was Grady. And Grady had 13 children. Grady bought a farm in North End of Murray County right there at Fashion, right where she lives at. Several hundred acres. Had 13 children. Most of them was boys, but they were all farmers and drinkers. They drank up every bit of that land. All of them lost it but one. I met him. A little old shack right there next to his house where my granddaddy lived and I've seen that shack many times, rode by. My dad showed it to me when we was a kid. He signed that little piece of property over to his brother for one dollar and all the liquor he would ever need the rest of his life. And on September the 24th, 1969, he drank himself to death with a bottle in his hand and liquor on his breath. He went to hell. And I never, I don't know why, I just thought I wished I could find a picture of it. And uh, my dad, at 21 years old, talk about, this came to my mind. 21 years old, he, he decided one day he would go to Titusville, Florida to party. 
He went to Titusville, Florida. My mother was born in Kansas City, Missouri. Lived some years in Mississippi. Moved to Louisiana. God helped. She moved out though. Amen. And finally, moved to Titusville, Florida. And at a street dance one night, they met each other. And in 1971, they came back to Marie County. And uh, my granny so despised my grandfather that she wouldn't even let my daddy have have the name, the gravelly name. So his birth certificate said Kluwer, but his driver license said Graveler. Gravely. Only in Murray County can that happen. <laughs> I asked my mama, I said, how do you give a driver license with a birth certificate saying Kluwer? She said, I don't know. She said, your mamaw said he was born a Gravely. We'll call him a Gravely no matter what your granny says because she didn't raise him. My mother won 1971. They went to get married. You know what she did? I, I had a newfound respect for her when I heard this. She was so determined that for his last name to be on that birth certificate, she went down the courthouse and said, we can't change a birth certificate. And so she kept going for six months and finally she got the old family Bible that my mamaw had, had wrote to his birth down in it. She got that family Bible and she got my Aunt Jessie who conspired with my grandmother to change the name and she made her go down there with her and confess that she wrote Clure when it should have been Gravely and she showed her in the family Bible and only in Murray County. I said, okay, we'll change it. <laughs> and I thought about all that. I thought about my uncle at 83 years of age. Drove right through an apartment complex with liquor on his breath and a fifth of whiskey in the, in the uh, floorboard of that car and went out into eternity without God. That's not a pleasant thing. You say, preacher, why would you tell that? I'll tell you why. We were all drowning in a sea of wickedness. Drowning in that sea. But I want to tell you this morning, you don't have to drown. You don't have to die in that sea of wickedness. Because one Saturday morning, a Sunday school teacher, a bus worker, knocked on our door. And I'll tell you why my dad was in the back, laid out drunk. And I'll tell you, we didn't know God. We didn't even know we was drowning. But he knocked on that door. And morning, my mother came. And we didn't know. But I'll tell you what happened on that Saturday morning. Somebody, the old gospel ship, uh, had pulled up to our residence that day. Uh, somebody uh, threw out a lifeline. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, my mother didn't get on board. Uh, but she said, your boys can go. Uh, and she put us on that lifeboat. Amen. And thank God, I want to tell you, a few years later, hallelujah, a family that was drowning in drunkenness, I ought to be in hell, I ought to be a drunk, I ought to be on my way to hell or in right now. Oh, but hallelujah, God came and he rescued my soul, hallelujah. Woo! Woo! Hallelujah. Woo! And I thought this morning, God, our old family tree is as crooked as it could be. I thought I might find a rich uncle, you know, or a famous cousin, but all I found was drunks and outlaws. And I bowed my head this morning. I said, God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. My children have never seen a case of beer. In our refrigerator. 
have never spent one night outside a bar in the back of an old car. All they've ever known is God and church and the Bible. All they've ever known, my grandchildren, and all they've ever known is Sunday school and Bible verses. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if you're out there in that sea, you don't have to drown. You don't have to go under. The old gospel ship is here. And hallelujah, he'll deliver you this morning. If you'll come, you gotta come. 